Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. I love puzzles. You know, the girls for my birthday um, bought me one of those wooden puzzles where it's cut into all different kinds of shapes. Have you seen one of those before? So there's little animals in it, you know. Or at least I'm seeing animals in it. I don't know. Is there even animals in it? There's probably not. And so tonight I, um, the best way I know to describe it is that I feel the pull of the Father's heart today. And I wanted to start out with a couple of things. I was reading in the New Testament, but then it referenced something in the Old Testament. And I was overtaken, if you will, by a scripture I read. And so I want to try to just lay out a masterful plan of the Holy Spirit tonight. Tess, if you get anything else on it, I know Tess has got lots of puzzle pieces tonight too. She sent me a bunch of random things. Sometimes they don't make sense at first. But um, let's start out in Isaiah 59. In Isaiah 59, verse 16, it says this, And he was astonished to see that there was no champion, not even one who would rescue the oppressed. And when I read that, I, of course, I know the rest of the chapter talks about that he became, Jesus became our champion. But I got to thinking the Holy Spirit sort of put this weightiness on me that has Papa really changed his mind? Has he quit looking for a champion? Has he? Has oppression stopped? Oppression hasn't stopped. So even though Jesus is, it it calls him our kinsman redeemer, I think Papa's heart is not done looking for a champion. So I think the question ultimately tonight will be asked is, will you be that champion? Will you look across the nations of the world and will you see what's oppressed and will you be a champion to the oppressed? You know, the greatest thing that we can do on earth is we be, we can become Jesus with skin on. Yeah. It's just not a cliche. Come on. It's an actual position of heart to stand in the gap between where you know someone's not quite. I don't know if you know this, but all of you have been coming for a long time. I stood in the gap between where you were and where I knew that God wanted you to be because he called me to raise up leaders. So everybody I meet, I know you're a leader. You might be a Gideon leader and you need lots of fleeces. You need to fleece God to death. And he's okay with that. You may be a David leader, a a man after his own heart. Why was 
David a man after God's own heart was because no matter what David did, he always rend his heart before God. He was always repentant. You know, that's what made David a great king and Saul not a great king. It was when God came to Saul and said, same thing he said to David, you sinned. Saul said, well, don't let me be put to shame in front of the people. People-pleasing is a crusher of you being a champion. And I received this word today from Haley. I don't think she's in here. I think she's in RC. She didn't know I was going to read it, but she said I could. This is what she sent me. She said, I feel an unrest. I feel a stirring. I feel the ground shaking. It feels unsettling, this change in movement. At first it seemed like it wasn't you, God, who was doing it. But then I realized you said no more stagnation. No more complacency. There's a tension. There's a leaning. It's a, quote, get ready to dive headfirst into uncomfortability moment. Can you see this as an adventure? A free fall into the more. I'm just opening new and unexpected doors. Would have been great if I'd read it over the worship team. They could have sung about it. Oh, but you did. It's a gift that I give you. Can you shift your eyes and see with me? Will you have a vision of thankfulness and glee? What I'm about to uncover is like a stone placed in a tumbler. It's shaken and stirred and cleansed and polished. Who would have thought that process would yield beauty? Will you stay in the tumbler to see what I want to uncover? It's in this place. There she is, reading your word. It's in this place where I break you out and reveal. So stay in it, sweet one. Draw close. Stay near. That feeling of unrest isn't chaos. It's your spirit's dissatisfaction of the stagnation you've been buried in. So welcome it. Tell it. Come on in. Tell it. I'm ready. Ready for the uncovering. Ready to move. Come on, Papa God. Do what you do. So when we hear that scripture, he was astonished to see that there was no champion, not even one, who would rescue the oppressed. Think about it for a minute. I've, I've been following Deion Sanders at Colorado University. It's just a fun little outing for me. And the one thing that 
sets apart champions from everyone else is that they believe in something before it happens. You know, Bill Johnson said, I was listening to him the other day, and he said that God is trying to light a fire on your insecurities to bring them to the top because you have security in something that's not him. And so he's bringing it up. He's causing experiences and events in your life to make you feel insecure, to let you know your security is not in him. Not because that he's mad, because he's the all secure one. And listen, you might be sitting beside somebody that doesn't believe anything that's going on in the spirit, but stuff is going on in the spirit. And I don't know about you, you know, Pam and I made ourselves a promise 32 years ago. We received a prophetic word that said that you're not going to miss what I want to do on the earth 32 years ago. Now, listen, there were tons and tons and tons and tons of hard choices Learning to yield to the Holy Spirit, not suppress the Holy Spirit, not quench the Holy Spirit, not offend the Holy Spirit. Takes a lot of choices that have nothing to do with how I feel. You know, I, I wrote this word in the green room and I wanted to read it to us. He said, there's a clamor for your attention. There's a noise from the puppets of the world to drain and drag your minds into insignificant thoughts and battles, to distract and disturb the seeds of truth and purpose. Be aware, be aware of these attempts to move you into false actions. Be aware they are not the heart of God. They're not the heart of Papa. Because his spirit is being poured out for his spirit's purposes only. His spirit's movements are to be acted on, not ignored. Don't find yourself ignoring the promptings of the spirit. Find yourself in the flow of his ways and his experiences. Don't be moved by the world's distractions and ways. Don't be altered in your destiny by the way that the world speaks. But be moved by my spirit to hear what to change in the world. Many voices are going to come. Many voices will be of me. But will they be for you? Many voices will speak, but will you hear the heart of the Spirit for your assignment, your destiny? This is a time to be of one heart, to be of one focus, to be a part of one life, or find a family to be connected to completely. This is a warning, and it goes out to the unconnected ones, the ones who the enemy will pick off and torment due to your lack of commitment. 
the ones who have a specific destiny for this generation, this time, this season, don't miss out on the protection you will need for the coming battles. Those in the family of God stand strong and see greater things accomplished. Those on the sidelines watch with judgment and become skeptics to the move of God. Will you be found on the team, in the game, or will you be found watching? (laughs) He was astonished to see on earth that there is no champion, no one to stand up and rescue the oppressed. This this generation is unlike anything that has ever been or anything that will be again. The The Holy Spirit has shown me that there is such a counterfeit spirit to the very essence of who Papa God is. The very essence of who He is is an identity giver. And it is imperative in this season that I line up my mind and my mouth and my actions with my identity. Because the enemy's not going to stop. He's got new tricks of his sleeve, but it's all a counterfeit to what God's Spirit is doing. And if you will realize that one of the reasons that God trains us and equips us with His Spirit is to walk in the strategies of the Holy Spirit. There's no greater strategist than the Holy Spirit. What is strategy? What is strategy? What do you think strategy is? What is it? She says a specific way to accomplish something. I feel like that is a complete blueprint of what Jesus said. I only see what I, I only do what I see the Father doing. That's the great strategy of the Holy Spirit. Every step I take, every word I speak, everything I pray, everything I choose to spend my money on should be in the strategy of the Holy Spirit. It's not impossible. It's actually not hard. And God is God is shifting and moving and can I help us? He would do it without you. God will have a people. Yes. 32 years ago or longer than that I chose to be one of those people. Probably when I was 5. But my Ability to understand what he's asking of me has grown over time. My assignment is the greatest revelation for me to be on earth. And it's the same for you. Can I help you? I don't think God really cares who you marry. I don't think he really cares if you have kids. I don't think he really cares about where you work. 
I think he cares more about your awareness of his presence and his spirit taking over what you chose to join yourself to. That's why I can tell if someone gets what one life's about. It's not my vision. You're not doing it for me. You're not serving here or giving here for me. You either want to be in the move of spirit because if if it's about me going, I'm going to be in the move of spirit. I'm not going to miss the spirit. I'm going to make sure I'm on my face. I'm going to make sure that I'm seeking him. I'm going to make sure that if I'm touching it, his spirit's on it. And that's all he's wanting you to do. He's wanting you to become more aware and more of a participant with his spirit. Not with another human being. Think about it. If everyone flowed with his spirit, we would be in unity. It's the, it's the one thing that God's heart desires. That you would just be a champion to champion the causes of God. You've created messes out of your life and you're wanting someone to champion to fix them. Just be a champion for what God said he wanted to do. If you'll watch him, he'll watch over the mess you made. He'll begin to rearrange and move stuff around that you couldn't do for a hundred years. You know, Cece had this, had a dream last night. And I was really asking him about it because I can sense, you know, that whenever she wakes up with a God dream, I know y'all probably think that there's just like bells and whistles and celebration. We're having cake and ice cream, but it's not like that. She's a little feeler and, you know, someone just walked into her life one day and said, this is God. You know, it's a shocking thing to realize that's how he speaks. But she dreamed about these three people groups. And I just, I really feel like it's on the heart of God. I feel like there's people in this room, if you won't get offended, and I know some of you will because you're just immature. That's what immature people do. When I give you truth, you just get offended and it takes you two weeks or ten years, however long, to come back to this same point. How many have been offended at me and can agree? But if you won't be offended, and see, you have to check your own heart because I didn't have this dream. I'm, I'm just giving you the truth of what is on God's heart. It's up to you whether you receive it. Do you agree with that? And the first people group was those who allow their negative feelings to paint over everything that God is doing. Just ask him. See, you've got to ask the Holy Spirit, is that me? You don't just say, oh, no, I haven't done that. Ask him. Do you, is your first thought a negative thought? Do you even ask the Holy Spirit about anything that's coming to you? So you've got to begin to have this pattern with God that you ask him. Because I, I looked at one of my favorite scriptures about it. Let's look at it real quick. Second Corinthians 
10. See where I have that? It says, although we live in the natural realm. Do you live in the natural realm? Yes. We don't wage a military campaign employing human weapons. When you don't ask the Holy Spirit, you're in your own head. That's a human weapon. You're not going to win. You're going to be miserable. You're going to say God is, is it's too hard to serve God. That's what you're going to say, ultimately. You're going to either partner with a religious spirit who says you haven't prayed enough, read enough, done enough. Come on. And it sucks the ability to have relationship with God. That's all He's ever wanted. Is to have relationship with man. Everything God did was because of how much He loves humanity. You. In His eyes, you're the champion. If I don't see myself like He sees me, I will be engaging in wars that were not mine to engage in. It will make me physically sick. I read it at the healing room last night. There's literally a scripture that says, and they will say, we are sick no more because I know my sins have been forgiven. It's in the book. Literally, that's the answer to sickness right there. Who knew the greatest crutch of our lives would be living like I've never sinned because the blood of Jesus made me pure. And I can live like I never sinned. I've sinned. Have you sinned? Yes. How aware of your sin are you or how aware are you of the purity of Jesus? It's going to come down to that. You're going to do nothing if you're a sinner because you got no power. But you're going to, but it is, he said, nothing, nothing is impossible to those who believe. believe. I believe, help my unbelief. How much unbelief do you have? My, my unbelief should be turning over all the time into more and more and more belief. Maybe you had 40 years of the religious spirit. I had a lot of years of it. It'll still come knocking at my door. It'll still come and say, I don't think, I think everybody in the room is more spiritual than you. That's what he tells me. Have you ever heard anything like that yourself? Anybody? Everybody's more spiritual, right? Why would God tell you that? It's not a motivator. Let's don't act like God's using terminology that isn't a, with God's character. He says, you're the beloved. He says, I so loved you that I sent my son for you. Now come and live this empowered life where you are a living drink for people in darkness. Where you're the light. Where someone is so shadowed in darkness, they don't even know they're in darkness anymore. That's you. Yes. He was astonished that there wasn't a champion. God.
God was astonished. As far as me and my house, he's not going to be astonished. I will champion you. Will you champion each other? Will you champion other people? God was astonished to see there was no champion who would come and defend the oppressed. Who would come and be an answer to someone who can't find the answer themselves. Who's so blind and deaf and dumb they can't see God. And you say, hey, hey chick, I'll save you. I'll lead you to the one. So this first group, we're not waging a war with the natural realm. We don't use, it says, you don't use manipulation to achieve your aims. That's insecurity. We've all manipulated. Come on, let's be honest. Can, can we go a little deeper? Is anyone interested, Phil? Can we go a little deeper? Why are we manipulating? What's the end game for us? See, I begin to ask myself these questions. What's motivating me? Is love motivating me? See, I want everything that motivates me, that makes me get up every day. I want my why to be because I want to love like Jesus. I may not be super good at it in your opinion. But that's my aim, Mary. That's my why. My assignment has to be filtered through the love. It has to be about love. I'm going to be talking more about our spiritual gifts. Do you know that 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 talk about spiritual gifts, but what's stuck in the middle? It's like a delicious Oreo. I mean, really, who wants to eat an Oreo just for the outsides? Had to be a wise guy, I know. But that delicious middle, what is it? That's what God said. You can do all of that. You can be great. Can you imagine he said this? You can be great at spiritual gifts and not have love. You're a ding-dong, bing-bong. You're just a clanging noise because love is the thing that sandwiches it together. Loving over here and loving over here, all of my equipping has to be because I love you. Because I don't want you to struggle. I don't want you to be in poverty. I don't want you to be without the flow of the Spirit. That's why I get up every day to please give me a word to encourage someone. I don't know how many times you need to hear it, maybe 2,000, but on that 2,001, maybe you're free. And once you're free... You look back and you're like, what was I doing before? I can even want freedom and not be free. And so remember this first group we're talking about in her dream. Those who allow their negative feelings to paint over everything God's doing. Do you have an unanswered prayer? Anybody? Raise your hands if you have an unanswered prayer. That's a perfect target 
for the enemy. Anybody got an unanswered prayer for more than five years? Ten years? Look, if I focus on that, remember what we're, what we're doing this month? Acts of thankfulness. Remember what Jesus, I talked about on Sunday. What is today? Yeah. He held up lack. And he gave thanks. He held up not enough. Remember, he held up some little loaves and fishes. He had 10,000 people to feed. Remember, there was a lot more women and children. They just counted the men, remember? And he held up something that wasn't enough. And he gave thanks. And it was the in giving thanks that released the heaven's supply. Not in the captain obvious. Well, we don't have enough for that. I just have these two little fish, three little whatever it was. Whatever it was, it wasn't enough. Remember what happened when heaven invaded his, his thanksgiving? He had, in one story, he had 12 baskets left over. That little boy went home with to-go <laughs> meals. Right? Listen, I've had this happen. I've been in lack. And I held up my not enough. You know, God told me to bust out this. We have another 1,100 square feet. And I don't have it to do it. If I did, I would do it tomorrow. But I, I've been holding up my not enough. And I'm saying, I know you said to expand, so I'm holding up my not enough and you'll bring it. Maybe you're the not enough. Maybe you don't feel like you're enough. Maybe that's where the negative thoughts come from. Maybe the negative thoughts come from, well, if I would have just done this back in 1980, if I'd have just turned left, if I just hadn't married that, if I just hadn't had that, if I just had taken that job. You know, my dad, until the day he died, he was 92, there was a plot of land on I-35 down in Norman. We, every time we drove by it, he said, I could have bought that land. I could have bought that land. I had an opportunity to buy that for $2,000 or something. I think they ended up selling it for millions. But all he thought of was I lost millions. But he died with hundreds of thousands of dollars in the bank. But he couldn't see it because he missed out. Are you hearing me tonight? Ask the Holy Spirit where that negativity comes in. If it comes in from a place of unanswered prayer, well, God didn't do that for me. Well, he didn't heal me there. You know, Pam's brother-in-law died of congestive heart failure. And he was um, young, not a super nice guy. But she went to see him a lot before he died. And she believed he'd be healed. And then he died. But instead of that, there's two choices. There's two roads, two trees right there, right? The one tree of, well, God, why didn't you do it? And the other tree of, well, God, what did you do? I like Pam. She, she asked the right questions. 
She didn't get bitter. God told her, he got saved because you went down there. And I ushered him home. And he wouldn't have been if you hadn't been down there. He wouldn't have been saved. Now that's a different perspective than I pray for somebody and they died. Does that, do you hear? That's how it happens right there. If I don't go before the Holy Spirit and ask him about events, bitterness begins to take over my garden. I look around my garden, this beautiful garden that Papa made for us to enjoy together, and it's filled with weeds and weeds of unanswered questions, bitterness, resentment. Agreed? And so it's very important, finishing our scripture, to demolish. Say demolish. Demolish. What is demolish? Level it. That's what Moose said. Level it. Right? In Colorado, when we lived there, they would scrape it. That's what they called it. It's just, you'd buy a piece of land for a million dollars. Had a $200,000 house on it so they could build a $20 million house on it. They'd scrape that $200,000 house. It meant nothing. We got to demolish, it says, every deceptive fantasy. If you struggle with negative feelings, this is your scripture to memorize. 2 Corinthians 10.5. Every deceptive fantasy that opposes God. Do you know those negative thoughts oppose God? I like this. We capture like prisoners of war every thought. And insist that it bow. That's what Pam did. She insisted that the thought that I prayed for him and he died bow to the truth of Jesus. Listen, I can't do this work for you. If I could come over to your house and do it, I would. I would get every single thought you had. We would wrestle around, I know. A good cleric always wants to wrestle around with how right they are, right? I would wrestle around with you, but I can't. These are your thoughts. Most of them are hidden. Do you know why they can sing prophetically? Because we wrestled every single thought to the ground. They had some, they did this amazing healing room last night, but they had some negative thoughts about it. We had to wrestle them to the ground. I'm, I am putting tension on them to do a new thing. See, I believe there's a sound that heals cancer. A sound. Do you believe it? And we're going to find it. That's what I believe. So we're experimenting. Hello? We're experimenting with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because that tension makes me and them, what's in them, that's not Him, get out of the way. If we just said, well, we tried it once. Nothing happened. Listen, we're seeing all kinds of stuff healed, y'all. But I'm going after the big ones. Are you going with me? The second group of people that she dreamed about, she had a dream that there was this person who saw 
a purchase they wanted to make. And it was a medium-sized purchase, I would say. And instead of waiting to set their house in order, they just moved out of where they were living, left everything behind, didn't pack a bag, nothing, all in pursuit of this thing because somebody was going to sell it to them. What does that sound like? Those, this is what she wrote about, those who impulsively insist on pursuing what their soul wants without thinking of whether or not it will lead to their long-term goal and stubbornly refusing to listen to wisdom. Now, in Proverbs, I, I felt really compelled to, to read you this scripture. It's, it's Proverbs 4, is it, and you know, you know it probably pretty well, but in the Passion it says, so guard the affections of your heart. Yes. How many have ever had an affection of their heart turn into something that you, when you first thought about getting that affection met, it didn't sound like it was going to be that. Right? So it, so it's a guarding. Are you, are you a good guard of your own life? That's a good question to ask yourself and ask the Holy Spirit. It says, because they affect all that you are. These affections of your heart are powerful. It affects everything you do. It says, pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being because from there, we sang about this too. <laughs> this is weird. Flows the wellspring of life. If only we had planned that, that would have been real super good too. It says, set your gaze on the path before you with fixed purpose, looking straight ahead, ignoring life's distractions. Watch where you're going. Stick to the path of truth. The road will be safe. Say safe. safe. And smooth. Say smooth. Do you hear that? That's the road of God. Listen, I've been on it for 60 years. It's safe and smooth. It's a beautiful thing. It's safe and smooth. I can just tell you one thing. I've always felt safe and smooth in my life. I, everybody knows I want to be smooth. <laughs> everybody knows. Don't allow yourself to be sidetracked even for a moment or take the detour that leads to darkness. How many got on the detour that led to darkness? Wow. That's a bummer, isn't it? Isn't it weird how darkness makes a mess? How many can be honest and say, I still have a mess from the dark days? That's rough. It's a rough old path, isn't it? Not safe and smooth. Listen, this is what the commentary says. Listen to this. Our hearts, our feelings of love and desire dictate to a great extent how we live. How many things have we done for love that wasn't love? Because we always find time to do what we enjoy.
He was astonished that he couldn't find a champion. This is why. The seed of my affections are not the seed of his affections. It took me a long time to make my affections be his affections. I said no to a lot of stuff. Let me just help you. You're going to have to say no to a lot of stuff, especially if you've lived a life where you've been addicted, where you haven't followed the Holy Spirit. There's going to be a lot of no's. There's going to be a lot WWF and them thoughts down. <laughs> Get it down on the ground. Have a funeral. Worldwide funeral. That's what that stands for. Have a funeral for those thoughts. So maybe you'll remember that tonight. Because why? They're in opposition. Those affections, I know you don't believe me, but those affections are against God. He didn't actually make humanity to do it that way. I always, I always think every day of my life, the Holy Spirit's living in here with me. Is He okay doing this? Is He okay watching this? Is He okay saying this? Is He okay doing this? We have to make sure we concentrate on the desires that will keep us on the right path. Make sure your affections push you in the right direction. Put boundaries on your desires. Don't go after everything you see. Look straight ahead. Keep your eyes fixed on your goal. Don't get sidetracked on detours that lead to sin. Don't be pulled. Philippians 4 says, don't be pulled in different directions. Or worry about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout the day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell Him every detail of your life. I talk to God about everything. What do you leave God out of? He's interested in everything. He's interested in what time you get up, what you wear, what you eat. He's interested about all those people at work that drive you crazy. He's interested with, about your spouse who you can't get to obey you. <laughs> He's interested in your kids that you don't know why they're choosing what they're choosing. He's interested. Tell him every detail. Yes. Give him a chance to have a voice at the table. Yes. Don't be in pursuit of something. It's just going to lead to a mess. And that's why we offer every way I know of to have counseling or help or sozos or whatever. Why? Because you need help doing life. They used to say it takes a village to raise children. No, it takes a village to mature. Don't you wish everybody around you you felt comfortable enough to share things with your life and you felt comfortable enough that they would tell you the truth about you? Yes. That's what I'm trying to build. Yes. 
A culture of honor where everyone is honoring one another and everybody feels comfortable to share what's going on and everybody has great advice. We're not quite there yet. But it's more than just two of us. I used to, I used to mentor 20 people at one time. Pam would come to me and she'd say, I'm going to give you the Moses talk. That's what she would say to me. The third group, and I'll be finished. Those who have received an inheritance from the Lord, but continue to think small, failing to look at all that it affords them to do for the kingdom. They fail to upgrade their vision after receiving an upgrade and accept the minimal as-is status of what they've received without viewing it as a seed that has been planted for growth. Bottom line, not owning our inheritance is something to be stewarded, expanded, grown, or in using our creativity to envision, envision something new. It's vitally important to realize this amazing inheritance. Ephesians 1 says, Through our union with Jesus, we too have been claimed by God as His own inheritance. So that's what you are. Say, I'm God's inheritance. inheritance. That's a cool gig. God himself. When you come to know him, he says, have you ever received an inheritance? Has anybody received an inheritance? You got to be old to get an inheritance sometimes. (laughs) My mom gave me a little bit of inheritance because, you know, like my dad, he wanted me to have all of her money, I think. But... You know, I, when I receive money, I, the first thing that I have to remember is that it's not my own. I didn't work for it. My dad slaved at a manual labor job my whole life. He worked for that. So my value of that money is different And what I spend it on, what I use it for, where I invest it, whatever I choose to do, it looks different because it's not my own. Are you following my analogy at all? You're not your own. You're God's expensive purchase. And He's wanting to invest you in something really valuable. Can you see it at all? And so God intends for you to use this creativity he gave you to make it expand, to cause your life to expand. He don't want you to be little. Let Let me just help you. Listen, I know you've probably been hurt in church with money or been hurt in church somewhere about something, been hurt with money somewhere probably in your life. Why have we all been hurt when it comes to money? But let me help you. Listen, I've been doing this 60 years. I've never not tithed. I've never not given. But giving is the activation to receive from God. It's just, that's just part of his plan. If you give here, you're not, you know, I have my own business. You're not giving. I don't make enough money from y'all to eat on. You're not giving to me to make me rich. I'm going to invest to expand the ministry. That's what Pam and I have agreed to do. 
And all of y'all know that. And so you're giving out of something that God's trying to increase in your own personal life. Listen, the vision that God has for me in ministry, it's not, we can't, this group of people can't even fund it. He's going to have to do a miracle. And he has, he has continued to do that. And that's, that's what it looks like to live in the kingdom is to continue to steward well. Do you receive that? Yes. He says, before we were born, God gave us our destiny. This is Ephesians 1.11. That we would fulfill the plan of God who always accomplishes every purpose and plan in his heart. You're part of the plan. I said on Sunday, you are part of this amazing plan by the creator of the universe. You, you were meant to be here at this time. You were meant to be in this room tonight. You were meant to be on the planet right now. You were meant to be here with all this craziness that's going on and no one even knows what identity. You were meant to be here now. Yes. That's good news. Yeah. First Peter says, we are reborn into a perfect inheritance that will never perish or be defiled, never diminish. It is a promise and it's preserved forever in the heavenly realm for you. So not only is it a guarantee of inheritance here, Jesus said, if you give up houses and mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers and lands for my sake in this life, you'll be rewarded 30, 60, 100 fold and in the life to come. It's a dual reward. It's a reward now and it's a reward later. Who wouldn't want to do that gig? So it's really, really important tonight, I'm just saying, to listen to the voice of God tonight. And these are three groups of people. If you find yourself in these groups, we'll be sending some stuff out about it. I just really encourage you to seek the Holy Spirit's heart. Do you want to come close? Seek the Holy Spirit's heart and ask Him to point out where you can adjust, where you can change your heart motivation in those three areas. Come on, Cece. Wow, it's an incredible, incredible tone about tonight, wasn't there? I'm not sure the word tone even captures it. it may not be a word in the English language that captures what um, was going on tonight, what was on Papa's heart tonight. I, I will say that I specifically asked last night, with, I had this long conversation with the Holy Spirit before I, when I was going to bed, and I specifically asked, give me a dream about what's on the Father's heart for His people today. So now Tisa did a tremendous job, you know, bringing this message, and I hope you all received it and felt the importance of it and the, the critical timing of it and really like felt it deep inside, right? But I want to um, seal it up with another nugget that He gave me, and I wanted to make sure you knew that that dream was born out of a specific request, a direct request from Him about what was on His heart today. And so um, one of the things that we, you know, we sang about in worship um, after we had been praying in the spirit, we said something, we sang something about, you know, lay down your old thing and pick up the new grace. 
And that was a critically important, a simplified way of saying what Tisa was talking about tonight, even that there is an old thing. It applies to everyone in the room. There's something, an old thing that he's saying, if you will lay it down, you've got to let go of what's in your hand, lay it down so that you can pick up a new grace to do the thing I've called you to do that I've challenged you and convicted you about tonight to do. You've got to let go of the old thing to pick up the new thing. And he's specifically asking for us to do that. I happened to come across a story I realized today in about someone not laying down an old thing. And it had to do with Moses. I wanted to share it with you because I think it's an incredible new insight on a story you've probably heard before. And it's not going to take long. It'll be real quick. But I think it packs a powerful punch to close up this message tonight. Um, Moses, um, you know, you know, the story of Moses, he led the people out of Egypt, he confronted Pharaoh and did all this crazy stuff, right? He did all this amazing stuff for God, but you know, he didn't get to enter the promised land with them, right? And so it's a crazy story that the Holy Spirit keeps bringing me back around to this topic for about a month now. But the reason he didn't get to go into the promised land was because of uh, something that he did. Um, in regards of getting water out of a rock, okay? So that happened twice for Moses in the Old Testament. Early on in the Israelites' journey, they start complaining about not having any water. Why'd you take us out of here and all of that? And so God tells him, take your rod, okay? It's this rod of authority and strike the rock and water will gush forth and the people will have water. So he does that. And they all have water, and it's a success story, right? So later on in their journey, the people are complaining again. They're in another situation. They need some water. And God says, take your rod and speak to that rock, and water will come rushing forth. So he takes his rod, right? This is his old thing. This is old thing that has been triumphant for the kingdom of God. Incredibly power powerful for the kingdom of God and necessary critical tool in freeing the Israelites from Egypt. And he took his rod and he struck the rock and water came out and they all drank and everybody was happy except for God. God wasn't happy because he didn't say strike the rock with the rod. The second time he said, speak, take your rod and speak to the rock. And so everybody's celebrating and happy. They're getting a big drink of water. It sounds like it's been another successful, crazy miracle that God's done. And God says, let me read this to you. God says, But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you have not believed me. Because you have not believed me, or in parentheses, trusted me to treat me as holy in the sight of the sons of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. That one choice, I always thought this sounded kind of harsh, right? It sounded kind of harsh that God wouldn't let Moses, after all he'd done, enter the promised land. But it's symbolic. It tells a story and it's symbolic of something. And I discovered an explanation for it that I'd never heard before. And so the explanation is this, the rock, remember we talked about it just the other last Sunday, represents Jesus. The rod represents the law. 
So the first time God said, take your law, this authority of the law, and strike the rock, which represented Jesus Christ. And out of it will come rushing, a gushing flow of water, the spirit that will save the people. But the second time, Jesus had already been crucified. That represented the law striking down Jesus. That represented him being crucified on the cross, stabbed in the side, water coming out. That first encounter represented that. So the second time, Jesus did not need to be crucified again. Jesus did not need to be struck with the law again. It said, speak to the rock. Now, why did that happen? It just occurred to me in the service today. Why could he just speak to the rock? Because Jesus has already died, been resurrected, and now there was grace. It was a grace. The supernatural ability to do what you would not be able to do. That is grace. So all he had to do, it didn't matter about the old thing, was speak to the rock because he had grace supernatural ability to bring forth the water. And it was so critically important to God to honor what had happened already, what had already been provided for, that he said, you don't believe, you're not, you don't believe me. You don't trust me. And you demonstrated this in front of all of my people. You demonstrated in front of all my people that you don't believe me and you don't trust me. Therefore, you won't be the ones taking them into the promised land. It's really, really important to him that we believe him. And so this was a message tonight. It was very clearly, supernaturally on his heart that grace was being released for a new thing today, and we've got to lay down an old thing. It's critically important to us entering the promised land, which we talk about all the time here. We are on a journey out of the wilderness into what God provided for us, and he's already provided grace. He's provided the supernatural ability, the flow, the ease, all that we sang about tonight to do, to be the champion, to be the champion that he needs us to be, to be Jesus with skin on on earth now. It doesn't come through striving. It doesn't come through taking that old thing. And so you will not take another step forward in your journey, in your specific area, if you do not lay down the old thing. You will just be going backwards. You'll just be going back to Egypt, back to the old thing. You basically are saying, Jesus needs to be crucified again in order for me to have this. He doesn't need to be crucified again. Grace has already been pre-provided for us. It's time for us to let go, as hard as it may be, of the old thing and receive the new grace tonight. Let's not let this moment pass by us. So, Papa, we just say we hear you tonight. Holy Spirit, we say we hear you. Jesus, we hear you. We hear you. We see you and we receive this message today. We will not let this moment pass by. We will not let this moment pass by without receiving and hearing and being convicted of what you have told us, what you've released to us. So I just say now that I lay down the old thing. And each of you in the room hearing this message, if you could even just think about your old thing, Think about that thing that comes to your mind and lay it down just as a prophetic act. Just open up your hand and let it go. Let it go. Make your hand available for the supernatural ability to do what you desire to do and what God has called you to do. 
So, Papa, we say we pick up the new grace today. It's a brand new day. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. It doesn't matter how long you've been on this journey. It doesn't matter how immature you are, how, how mature you are. It's a brand new grace being released right now to be picked up, and we have to lay down an old thing. And so we hear you, we believe you, and we trust you. We will put our trust in you. No matter how scary it is, no matter how hard it is, we will put our trust in you because we are destined for the promised land. We are the Joshua generation who will enter the promised land and will lead your people into the promised land. So we receive your grace tonight. We say we believe you and we trust you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just seal this message up for everyone hearing it, that you would make it personal, that you would speak to them in their dreams when they leave here, that you'll speak to them on billboards, you will speak to them on conversations, on TV commercials, TV shows, whatever random way you can, in the clouds, right in the sand, right in the dirt, put a piece of trash in front of them, whatever you have to do, make it personal for them. Remind them through the strangest ways we love your weirdness, Holy Spirit. Remind them of the importance of this message and how they can participate in it. So we thank you. We love you. We honor you. We give you all the honor and glory and praise. And we say we will honor you even more by believing your word that was released tonight and trusting in it also. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com. Okay